Hello all you kinky kittens, it's Miss Darby here with another installment of Customer Appreciation. Interviews from the other side of the bar, those that worship the patron saint of stripperdom and kneel often at her altar, otherwise known as the stage. Today I'm going to be talking to a customer that goes by the name of M. Some of the girls in my strip club area often refer to him as the mayor. We will be discussing how and why he discovered strip clubs later in life, how it's affected his marriage, and personal exploration of his own sexuality, and how he sees COVID-19 changing the landscape of strip clubs and the virtual club frontier. Welcome to The Babes of Valhalla. Content may not be suitable if you are underaged, closed-minded, or immature. We discuss topics that are graphic and sexual in nature. This is one of your saucy space babes, Darby, and I'm here today with an interview from the other perspective. This episode's customer interview, who is going to go by M. Um, We've known each other for a little over a year, traveled together, um, friends with his wife, and have also done dances with her as well. And he exists in that weird gray area of a really good friend, but who also comes to the club as a paying customer. And in our club, he's actually, I would say, like a favorite of many of the girls. So, hello, M. Um, if you just want to share a little bit about yourself as much or as little as you want, and then we can get into some questions. Sure. Hey, Darby. <laughs> Hi. Hey, so thanks for, thanks for doing this. This is, this is, um, this is interesting and really cool. Um, and, um, I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, hearing you guys, uh, publish this and, and the other, uh, podcasts. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, a little about me, I'm 43 years old, um, I would consider myself middle-aged for sure, and um, I've been married for 11 years, um, and together with my wife for 18, that's a big part of my life. Um, she's literally my best friend, and mm-hmm. my lover, and my, at times, has been like my spiritual advisor, so it's kind of neat. I work in information technology, I've been doing that for 26 years now. Um, I have an undergrad in psychology, uh, but I've been in computers since I was a kid, so that just seemed like the, the right path to like align myself in with regard to a career. And uh, I guess the last bit about me is that you know I think it would be um, it would be interesting to uh, retire in the next twenty years or so, and um, or less, maybe fifteen to twenty years, and. Uh, go into therapy probably. Um, not sure specifically what uh, branch of, of psychology, but that's kind of a long term goal. Cool. I don't think I knew that you had an undergrad in psychology because so do I. Yeah, we we bonded on that before. I totally did not remember that. So that's funny. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. I guess, why did you start going to strip clubs um, in the beginning? And I guess, like, this question, I think, is interesting because you go to a lot of strip clubs and you go multiple times a week or even more than one in in a day. So, and I kind of, I don't know. I guess, yeah, I don't want to say too much. So you can go from there. Yeah. um, Well, so I guess the question is why 
do I go or when did I start? Like, like when and why? Yeah. Um, so I started going to clubs. Um, it was June, June twenty eighth of twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, prior to that, I just never, I never found a lot of interest in going to surf clubs. It just wasn't my bag. Um, and I felt that. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I just went through the, the the almost the reverse peer pressure or the or the stigma that strip clubs were um, places primarily where you could find drugs, where you would find you know the the lowest of the low, and like if you're in a strip club, then you are a complete loser, or that like you know you can't get some on your own or some strange shit. That's what I used to believe um, up until I was in my early 40s and um, and kind of had a, a rebirth of sorts and and kind of just embraced my sexuality and I said, you know, this is like, I'm not going to listen to what other people say about or describe anything. I'm going to go and venture and find out for myself. I had been sober for, depending on, on, on the drug of choice, you know, I was, I was on opiates for a long time and I was able to stop that back in 2012 and stimulants and stuff like that I had stopped a lot earlier but I had just um, gotten sober from alcohol and um, and it like changed my perspective so that's when I started and in terms of why um, I it's, this is kind of a funny story so after I got sober um, you know, sober, clean and sober from everything, I, I just kind of, my libido, like, turned on, like, ridiculous, like, in a very raw, very, um, just in a weird way, like, it, it had never been so stimulated in my life that I can remember, short of being, perhaps, like, high school, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wasn't sure why, like, you know, but then you look back, and it, like, I did a ton of damage with drugs and alcohol um, most of my life and um, here you know here I, I, get, I get completely clean and sober I start diving into my own spirituality um, I've always been fascinated with women like just women are so beautiful the, the whole feminine form is divine to me and, and, and how I look at women is just kind of like a weird I mean it might not be weird but it, it seems weird to me when I describe it to other people in terms of like these, these sacrimonious souls and, and stuff. So, so I go to my wife and I'm like, I'm having these, these these things. I've never had a threesome. You know, I used to be in a rock band. I've had the opportunity, but for what you know, fate would lead that I was just always in a committed relationship when this when those opportunities presented themselves. So I I talk to my wife and I you know I really want to have a threesome and we we talk about it. Like we're not swingers. We're not in an open relationship. I've been monogamous. And as, as as she and we we talked about you know introducing another woman into our in, into our sex life, and it was it was honestly like more of an issue for me than it was for her. When I met, when I met my wife eighteen years ago, she was in a in a relationship with a woman, and um, you know she. Definitely is bisexual. She prefers men, but you know she's, she's definitely bi curious or what have you. She's had relationships with 
time in the past, and um, I guess I just chalked it up to that, and um, in terms of why she was so open to having a threesome, right? So mm-hmm. I didn't know where to begin. Um, I I didn't want to be this like predatory crew that just walks around and tries to find a, a woman or whatever. I didn't even I didn't I wasn't even comfortable like kissing another woman. It was really weird. So the reason I started going to clubs. Um, again, June 28th of 2018 was to see what this was all about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see, like, how being attracted to another woman physically um, and just, like, A, I mean, obviously seeing, like, beautiful girls dancing with breasts and that whole aesthetic is, is just mind-blowing. So, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm saying that now looking back, but at the time, I was pretty nervous, and I just, you know, I was like, well, I'm a fucking adult. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and that's that's when the crazy crazy ride started. That's awesome. Well, I, I don't know when you were talking about how you describe women. Like, I definitely think that that's one of the things that a lot of the girls uh, that know you, like that we've talked about, because even when when we first met you and you were talking about your wife, we we were all impressed that. Like, we're used to people talking about their wives as, like, oh, she's a drag, or we stopped having sex after our kids were born, or, oh, we fight all the time, oh, we're separated, oh, I'm divorced. And it's not a lot of positives, usually, about relationships. And then we met you, you were like, oh, my wife is a goddess. She's the most beautiful, amazing person. And it's, like, it's so cheesy, but so many of us were just like, oh... Like, M and his wife are so cute. Like, we just love their, how much they love each other and their marriage and everything. And so I, I don't know. I've always appreciated that, I guess, that you, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of the girls really like you is because you are very respectful and it is like this kind of enjoyment of the situation or the process, but it's also very respectful to reality like your real life when you leave as well as the girl that is kind of in the club does that make sense yeah 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 um so since you said like you know you're married your wife knows you go to strip clubs and she has come with you in the past has that been like a negative or positive influence in your relationship has have there been like benefits or or issues i guess as a result yeah no i mean it's definitely been it's been it's been, it's been either neutral because I have, I, you know, I've taken over clubs a lot, like a lot, you mm-hmm. know, and um, I mean, it's not a lot by my measure, but it's certainly a lot by somebody else's measure. And mm-hmm. so there's been certainly, there's, there's a level of monotony, right? There's, there's, there's routine in anything we do perpetually. And um, so there's been a few times in a minority that it's been just like, you know, just another, like going to a club, it's not a big deal. Um, you know, we'll talk about a specific dancer, we'll talk about a specific routine, we'll talk, she loves the, the, the she loves the, the wardrobe stuff, she just goes off about that, but, you know, um, and it's funny, because we, you know, she, she's gone to venture out and find these places where you can buy, you know, outfits and stuff, it's kind of, kind of awesome, <laughs> but, um, I mean, the positives definitely outweigh the negatives, I mean, we're the, the neutrals, let's say, um, we've never had an argument, um, about going to a club. We've never had any kind of weird jealousy issues. And when we've had dances together, they've been amazing just because, you know, while I won't describe, well, maybe I can describe it because I know, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've had, we've had dances 
together where um, she's completely like enthralled with the girl. I'm like completely enthralled with the fact that she's enthralled with the girl, and uh, it's just it's just awesome, right? Because it's just this natural, free laughter, joy. Um, as you mentioned, respect. Um, but I get to see a different side of my wife that I've never had, um, and she probably gets to see a side of me that she's never seen, right? Because you know, I, I probably consider, I consider, I'll be honest, I consider myself to be relatively boring in bed with my wife because <laughs> of how I, like, it's weird, man. I, I just view her, and I have like, studied this, you know, and it's just about how you how you view the different phases of, of, of your partner, right? Like, initially, mm-hmm. she's a maiden, and then she's a mother, and then she's, you know, she's this wise, you know, wise elder, you know, like the sorceress, right? But, but like, because she's got all this wisdom. And, um... You know, our our sex life is amazing, and it's but it's very, it's kind of very sanctimonious, you know. And so, when I think she sees me at a club acting like a, a fool, like a guy, and it's like you may not think I do, but like in our, like I'm just not that kind of person. So when I <laughs> let it out, it's freaking hilarious, and I think she gets a kick out of it. That's awesome. So then, did you guys ever end up? having a threesome or is that still a conversation that you're having um we definitely are still having the conversation it's okay. never happened i actually put, put the brakes on because i came to the realization that i i don't think i could actually penetrate another woman and not have it become a problem so mm-hmm. we kind of agreed to a set of boundaries with regard to that that i can do just about anything you know obviously with with honesty and being respectful but I, you know I just I, I, I just can't penetrate another woman mm-hmm. um, so like if we were to have a threesome you know oral sex or or whatever you know any kind of foreplay anything like that is, is totally game but like I just you know and my wife can do whatever she wants but I probably wouldn't do anything more than that and um, that's where we're at we're just kind of in a holding pattern uh, the quote unquote search has stopped it was cool that like my wife and I were able to talk about the fact that I needed some space to be held for me to explore my sexuality and to, and to see where that goes. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're at. Has she ever had an issue with, um, like the amount of money that you spend in strip clubs? Um, she's never said anything to me, but I'm sure she has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she knows that a lot of the money I spend comes from, you know, places that I'm okay with spending that money. Mm-hmm. So it's not like critical to our everyday life. But that's a good that's a good point you raised because this past year, before this entire pandemic thing happened, we agreed that I would spend less money because we were looking to buy a, a third house mm-hmm. and something closer, maybe to like either California or some something like that, right? Because we're we're thinking about our family, which is which is aging, mm-hmm. and they're not that set up with regard to retirement, so we're just trying to be a little bit more mindful. Um, okay, so I think some of the girls that like know you, and I'm pretty sure you said this to you, we kind of say that you're the mayor of the strip clubs in the city that we're in, uh, because you go to so many clubs, and like you've been to more clubs than I've been in um, in this city and you've, it also feels like everybody knows you at all those places. Cause even when I went with, um, you and your wife to 
a club that's more in the in the city, I felt like, you know, the the bouncers knew who you were and lots of girls knew who you were. And you kind of end up, at least from our perspective, kind of being, and even for like myself included, um, like a free therapist for a lot of dancers. And I guess I wondered how you feel about those relationships and what about those kinds of relationships? Like, are they beneficial for you? Do you, I mean, do you find that, like, why, I guess, do you kind of make those relationships? Because I feel like you are very good at connecting with people and kind of getting, like, I've watched it happen. You get people who, they just met you and they will tell you something that's really, that feels really honest. And it, it's also not something they probably wanted to tell you. But people want to tell you stuff. And so I don't know, I guess like how you feel about that and why you kind of seek those types of relationships out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's a lot to unpack. You might have to find me with a couple of those, but, (laughs) um, I, I think I'm easy to talk to and, uh, I I think it helps that I'm sober. Mm. Um, you know, at least for me, I don't know how others react towards my sobriety, but for me, uh, I can hold attention. I can, I can, I can be myself. Um, I, I have a perspective because I've been through a lot in my life that I can empathize pretty easily. Um, I can hold. I can keep a secret. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't. I don't know if if you if, if the girls or the women that are dancing are like you know James Bond spy types. Well, they'll tell me something to see if I reveal it. And if they hear <laughs> it, then they know I'm, I'm, I'm unworthy of, it, of keeping a secret. You know, but um, but the reality is that um, before I got sober, more so more so growing up, like in college and and, and in high school, I had a really weird relationship with women in the female form, um, and I, 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 I weird for me looking back, but it's probably extremely typical and stereotypical. And um, you know, I was a huge womanizer, and I was unable. I mean, I didn't have the tools to look at women in any other way than sexual objects. Mm. And growing up and going through some shit um, and kind of getting back to my spiritual um, program, I got to appreciate a lot about women, women's, women's strength, um, their, their, their clear charm. Um, and obviously, you know, I got through, I did some work and I got, I was able to get past seeing women as, as strictly sexual objects. I started to see people like real people. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds pretty, I don't know, it might sound like crazy, but that's just the truth. Like I, I there was an aha moment in my life that I clearly remember where women were no longer sexual objects. That's not to say that, like, I don't, I'm not, like, I don't have desire or lust or any of those things, but it's, like, I have a moment to pause when those those feelings come up, and, like, am I doing, like, am I being a human being right now? Am I treating this person with respect and, and, and so forth and so on, or am I allowing my lower energies to bubble up and take over or override, like, my decision-making process? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's gotten to a point where that's all, all of that's just automatic, but I'm just trying to tell you how like it's progressed. You know, mm-hmm. um, when I talk to to, 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 the, to the dancers and they, you know, they're just being normal people to me, I can just um, 
Um, and I can also relate because I've been at the end of emotional, physical, um, financial abuse. You know, like I, you know, I, I can see it from both sides, and um, it helps me solidify that view of women not being sexual objects because I'm talking to a real person. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, some, you know, ninety nine, ninety eight percent of the women I've met. That are in are, that are sex workers in clubs. They, they are like when I say sex workers, I mean you know dancers. Uh, I mean, can't speak too much out of that specific slice of the community, but um, you know they're they're more they're more well rounded, they're more resilient, they're more honest than your typical corporate person or you know a person that just hasn't had a lot of life experiences. Mm-hmm. I get a lot out of those interactions. I get a ton of the, a lot. I mean, it just, um, it's obviously valuable, so valuable to me that I'm willing to spend the money that I spend to go and, you know, hit them, get dances, be, be clientele. It's, it's, it's the why I'm the mayor. It's just because, like, <laughs> I, 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 I have no affinity or no, like, specific loyalty from a, from like a, you know, I don't know what the term would be, but like, I, I'm, I, I'm not tied to a specific dancer or a specific club, right? I, I have mm-hmm. friends, but, you know, from my understanding, as I sort of came into the scene, is that there's some men that, you know, prefer one specific girl, and that's all they'll do, or one specific club, and, you know, that's not me, I'm more of a, you know, and, and going back to my original goal of trying to find something, you know, how to do a threesome and maybe find somebody, um, you know, that was like the thing. And then it just became a routine to, like, if there's this many beautiful women with, like, amazing acrobatic skills and, like, these seductive charms at this club, well, there must be, like, more at the other clubs. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, it, it was just... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, I should probably tell you, I, I'm an alcoholic, a raging alcoholic, and I've been sober for a long time. Um, but that doesn't necessarily uh, prevent my alcoholic tendencies, to come, you know, to come, to come out. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I do everything alcoholically. Um, I just happen to have um, a, a better level of consciousness and strength these days. That's so funny. I definitely know that, like, that since you're not one person's customer that there have definitely been girls that have been frustrated by that, which I've always thought was really funny. I mean, you definitely have girls, I think, that, at least at our club, that, like, you definitely kind of will go up with or spend time with. But, yeah, I mean, no one is ever surprised anymore. Like, oh, you know, he's going to go up with so-and-so. But I definitely know in the beginning it was people were, like, fighting over you. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, so what kind of clubs do you prefer? Like, what are the things that you appreciate the most about, like, the setting or the type of strip club? Well, uh, it's funny. I, I really, I love smoking cigars. And I know that's a terrible habit to have. I know that girls probably don't want to smell like smoke. They certainly don't want to take in secondhand smoke. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's part of the thing. Uh, so I'm willing to pay or drive to a club that allows smoking, you know, and I know that 
like clubs that are clean, you know, um, not just from a, like, cleanliness standpoint, obviously that's a given, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, clubs that have girls that are not drug addicts, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with drug addicts in, in a sense that I, I know that there's a sickness and there's a disease and that there's, there's a fight for their lives and that they're doing what they can to survive, but... Um, I've been to clubs where, you know, someone's clearly under the influence. I was down at a club, um, what was it called? Uh, I want to say, it was in, it was in um, Daytona Beach. Um, and... Was this Shark Bites? No. Um, oh, okay. I'll tell you in a second. I'm, I'm going to look it up because I'm actually really curious. I, I want to say it was like something Dolls. They also have a really funny one in Daytona that's called Scuttlebutts. But yeah. I always thought that was a funny name for a strip club because Scuttlebutts means gossip. But, oh. but it's like a funny, like just call it gossip then because I feel like Scuttlebutts just sounds weird. <laughs> like if you didn't know what that word meant because I had to look it up. I don't know. <laughs> it, um, I know there's a club down there called Biggins, which is hilarious. Biggins. Um, it's called Diamond Dolls, right? I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it's cool if I say that, but... You can say that, it's um, fine. Yeah, so Diamond Dolls in, in, in Daytona Beach is one of the few clubs that, down there, that are, um, they push, they push the envelope of the walls down there. It's mm-hmm. really strange walls there, like, depending on where you are in the state, you can do certain things, it's kind of weird. Um, but Diamond Dolls is a really cool, laid back, you can smoke, it's, it's a nice club, it's big, it's got a great stage um and so I, I always like going there for at least uh a night when i'm in town and um there was a time where a girl went on stage and she was so out of it and um she tried to do a couple tricks and fell mm. and, and like that happened twice and she ne- and like people were laughing you know oh my and, god um, yeah and it was just dancers that were laughing too so i i just got this horrible vibe from that i had to leave and, um, you know, I, I, uh, I haven't been back to that place, but it's, that's kind of antithetical to what I would expect of a professional club. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know the backstory. Maybe people had it out for her. Who knows, right? But, like, that's just, um, I, I don't like that in a club. So, like, if people are overly drunk or clearly on some kind of substance, you know, that's a complete downer for me. Only because, I, you know, I'm sober. And so... I mean, it, does, it has nothing to do with my sobriety, but I kind of want to speak to someone who's there when I'm when I'm talk, talking to a girl at mm-hmm. a club. You know, um, it's just kind of like a requirement for me. I like I like clubs that aren't tiny. Um, I, I like there to be a little bit of room, but it's got to be a good balance, right? Because if the place is too big and there's not a lot of people, then it just feels like you're in a warehouse. Yeah. Um, and. Um, you know, obviously, I like clubs that have good music um, that read the crowd. Not somebody that's not a club that's just going to play it play on a on an iPod or something like that. That's just kind of you know. I think when 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 you go into a club, there's a, a set of expectations from the club to the clientele, and that is that you're going to you're here to spend money. Mm-hmm. You're here to enjoy yourself, and if there's anything in that recipe from from the club that's not going to make that happen in terms of you know good music good vibes, beautiful women, a nice dance stage or a place at least where 
clientele is a certain type, you know, and mm-hmm. I and I don't mean um, like if there's any chance of violence breaking out, um, that's kind of a turnoff, obviously. Mm-hmm. I know I know that myself and a lot of other guys, you know, carry into clubs, um, or you know, because we're carrying a lot of cash, and um, that's the last place you want an altercation to happen. Yeah. You know? so, so when that does happen, and I've been in clubs where that does happen, so it's not like it's universal. It's one of these things that just happens at any club because alcohol, in my view, is involved or whatever. Then you know you're going to have that happen. But how the club reacts to those situations is, is, is what like a defining element or aspect of the club. Yeah, I would agree. I've definitely worked in clubs that, like even from a dancer perspective, like that they may have a lot of bouncer staff and the bouncers may be you know mma people or ex-military or whatever but they are lazy and aren't paying attention and don't do anything so it doesn't matter how many people they have they should be able to read the room and then there's other clubs that have you know just whatever guys that have may not have ex quote-unquote experience but they are just better at de-escalating and kind of handling those situations before they happen and get violent and i definitely know that that's something that I appreciate because there definitely seems to be a lot of bouncers that kind of like to get something going or wait till something gets going and then they can step in and do this big thing versus yeah. seeing it happen and then like and then getting there ahead of it so yeah yeah because uh funny story I was at a club um uh, you you know this club and this guy was so off his rocker Mm. And and I don't mean I don't mean like so sloppily drunk that they couldn't like contain themselves or they couldn't like you know walk or anything. I mean this guy was fine in that regard. But you know he had, must have had the wrong alcohol or maybe mixed or whatever. But this guy was just off the wall. So one of the bouncers takes him outside and um, annihilates this guy. Like annihilates him. Like beats him up. Like, yeah, yeah, just like pummeled the guy. Oh I mean, and the gosh. guy deserved it, right? And because the guy was was about to attack him, he was pushing patrons in the club. He was mm. being really rude and rough with girls. So they, they kicked him out, and then the guy just kept wanting to come in. So so the bouncer went out and just completely annihilated this guy. Um, he comes back in for a moment, and he's bloody, right? Not the guy, but the bouncer. And it's not his blood, you know? Yeah. Um, the guy just keeps trying to come back into the club. Oh my gosh! To the point where it was just—it was—it was almost it was humorous for a second, and then it just became really like this guy wants to die here. <laughs> like this is the mountain that this is the mountain that this guy's gonna die on, and I—I I actually offered to go out. The club manager let me go out and talk to this guy because I'm trying to like use my—I'm trying to use my my like my woo woo magic on this guy to try and de-escalate the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, start talking and this guy's just a complete moron he's just like i am refused to allow myself to get beat up by that guy oh god and i'm like well like you've already been beat up you're, you're now you're like teetering on the fact of being killed by this guy um which isn't good for anyone <laughs> yeah yeah this is this was crazy man and um but you know it ended with the the cops coming and uh it was it was a disaster but you know, luckily the guy got into an Uber, um, which I ended up paying for. And oh. Well, um, you are the he mayor. Did, he did pay me back, though. That's nice. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> Send me a Venmo. 
Did you guys end up talking after the fact or never again? No, never again. Okay. I'm just curious. Um, so then what would you quantify like that stands out in your mind as like your worst strip club experience? Like either with a dancer or just, you know, I know we kind of went over a couple of things, but is there one that you would say is like that tops all of them? Yeah. Um, yeah, it happened in, uh, it also happened in Daytona Beach. Um, I, I probably have a, I have a, I have a lot, a lot of experiences that I could probably relate to, but the one in, in Daytona Beach, uh, let me give you this. I'll give you an example of each kind of worst mm-hmm. time. <laughs> okay. That last time was the worst time because I, I, I ended up going to a club spending money and I didn't do what I wanted to do, right? I got, I got kind of pulled out to talk to a drunk, mm. um, to try and calm him down because he just kept wanting to come and talk inside the club and getting killed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's kind of a, like, un, uh, a less than ideal time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I went to, a, I was in Daytona Beach one time, and, um, this was, I want to say this was, like, in the spring of 2019, and, um, I went to this place, it, it's called Lollipops, mm. uh, and I didn't know any, you know, I, I don't, I, I do this now, I go online and try to find, like, some reviews or something some type of intel about the club that I'm about to go into, but I didn't do that this instance. Um, I just walked in, and I felt like I walked into a hip-hop video. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I, and I'm not a hip-hop guy. Um, I, there's some hip-hop that I enjoy, right, but it's nothing that's obviously going on now, unfortunately. I don't know any hip-hop artist, to be honest, and it's like, somebody said, who is this? I wouldn't know. Um, so when I walked in and, and it literally looked like I just walked in on like a hip hop video, um, I was like, okay, this is interesting, you know? So I sit by the bar and get my normal club soda and, um, I get swarmed in by like five females and, um, none of them were my type. And, uh, I immediately, I'm like, I I have to get out of here, you know? This is I feel like I'm a piece of chum that just got dropped into the ocean. Like, these women just swarmed on me, and I don't know any of them, and I was just, like, completely overwhelmed, and I had to get out of there. So then I start walking towards the exit. And then, mind you, I paid $20 to get into the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, I start walking towards the exit, uh, which was amazing in and of itself, and I, I you know, the bouncer guy's like, oh, it's a two, two drinks minimum. <laughs> Seriously? They made you go back and buy another drink? <laughs> I was like, are you serious? I'm, I don't drink. And I already paid $20. And I just paid $20 like not less than five minutes ago. It's like two, 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 two drink minimum. And, and I was like, oh, my God. I was so aggravated, right? Because mm. I felt like I had just walked into a club in Tijuana or something. You know what I mean? Like, like, like once you get in, you can't get out. Kind of, you know, Hotel mm-hmm. California stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hate being told what to do. You know, like who doesn't? Yeah, nobody wants to be trapped. Yeah, so I go back to the bar and, you know, started this thing, and then these girls are like, oh, you don't like our club? And I'm like, oh, fuck! You know? (laughs) How did this happen? And so then it starts to get crazy, almost like this weird underlying racial tension that, like, I was a racist because I wanted to leave. Oh, no. uh, And I was like, no, like, so now I'm not just like, now I have to like defend the fact that these girls are just playing me 
guys are not on stage dancing, and you swarm on me as soon as I walk in. Like, what part of that sounds like fun to you guys? And then it just got really ugly from there. Um, <laughs> oh, I, my I gosh. I just tell people what, I, what the deal is, right? I'm not going to, like, sugarcoat it. Yeah. And uh, especially when it's like that at a club, like, you pay $20 to get heckled by a bunch of girls, you know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so uh, I ended up, you know, getting another drink, and, and I left. Yeah, that, that sounds intense. <laughs> oh my gosh. But all the other experiences have been, you know, just, just, just specific girls that are, have, have had too much to drink or, or um, you know, bring up a certain level of drama to the situation, to a mm. club, and you're just kind of like, oh, great, you know? Yeah, that's something I've never understood is why... I mean, some customers do like that. They like to feel like they're involved in the in the girls drama but i've never understood why girls hustle with this like well let me give you this laundry list of these are all the girls i don't like and this is why and this is why i can't pay my bills and this is why i'm having this issue and that's how they treat you know every customer and there are people who will give you kind of i don't know quote unquote pity money or that like that for whatever reason works for them and they're like yeah I'm going to get a dance with her because she really needs it. Yeah. But um I I've never understood that cuz I feel like yeah people are coming to the club to be transported and away from things that are stressful. That's right. Yeah. I mean in my opinion, but there's some customers who are really into that, so I don't know. Um what would you qualify as like your best or most meaningful strip club experience? Um, yeah, uh, well, I mean, I really enjoy, um, there was a time where, um, my wife and I went to a club and we, we got a dance with a girl and it was so hot, like, (laughs) it was so ridiculously hot that, like, there's certain experiences or dances where, like, your head starts to spin a little bit, and it was one of those instances, and my wife and I, like, had an amazing night talking about that experience and about what turned her on, what turned me on, and just, like, the world seemed really cool and perfect at the time for me after that experience because it it felt, A, I wasn't being judged, right? Mm-hmm. B, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm an honest, you know relatively speaking, like anyone who says they're completely honest is a liar, but, you know, I do my best to, to be straight with people, including my wife, and so it was neat to just see, like, almost like the fruition of an honest, communicative relationship, and having, like, a, some adult fun, and not being, like, held over the fire for it, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was, like, just, a, it was a really cool, like, that was amazing, that was, like, a, a fantastic time it was like clean and fun and normal and you know it was just like a girl dancing but um it was a good energy you know um other experiences that are meaningful for me are um some dances with some 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 girls um you know it's uh i don't like to talk during dances and so i like to bring my own music if possible and so i i, I just enjoy um the energy and the time with um, some dancers more than others, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I honestly do try to have. I mean, it's weird because I do try to have mean, like a meaningful 
solid time every time I go to a club. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm not having those, those, when I'm not having those feelings, I tend to just start to cut back on my time, right? Just to kind of not make it like old or to make it stale. I had a time in Key West with this Russian dancer who like completely blew my mind. It was probably like one of the times where I realized that like I can never, I, I don't think I could ever have sex with another woman because I just get, I just get fucking crazy, you know? And like, I pour so much into those experiences and this might sound horrible. Like there's, there's probably like a married guy, super ultra conservative and Christian who maybe has never had courage to, to, to talk about their sexuality with their spouse or whatever, right? Like listening to this and saying, oh my God, that kid's going to hell. <laughs> but, but, you know, like some dancers are so good at what they do. And I don't mean anything like extra services or anything like that. I mean just straight dancing and being seductive um, that will provoke like a, an emotive response. Like I'm always I'm always astonished by that. Like that's what I kind of try and chase. And it's no like it's no accident that you'll see a lot of people that are in recovery that love you know males and females that love strip clubs for that reason, right? Because you're, at the end of the day, you are you are substituting one one dopamine hit for another, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's just that this happens to be a lot more um, from a harm reduction standpoint, a lot safer than you know, drugs and alcohol for, for, for guys like me. At the same time, you know, I am 100% there in as pure consciousness as I can be to experience that. And um, it's like, you know, sometimes you're just like blown away. I think, I think that makes sense. People who have like a flow and they're present. I think I definitely have had that experience giving dances to certain people. It just, there's like an energy there that's, really great and then other people it kind of seems flat and I don't know where that necessarily comes from but it is interesting like just chemistry yeah 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 um some of that stuff can get really hazy um but you know it's like the, the fidelity of that energy or that um that exchange of energy is a lot more um, potent in some than others, you know. Mm-hmm. I've had dan- dances where it's like, oh my god, I'll pay you twenty dollars to stop. <laughs> you know, but those yeah, are not that frequent. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so I know we kind of brought up the uh, COVID nineteen thing earlier, and I guess I was kind of curious. I think that everyone right now that works in the industry or, you know, goes to clubs has all kind of had the same kind of questions like, you know, how is this going to change the strip club landscape and, you know, are strip clubs going to survive? So I guess kind of at the end or as our last kind of question, I mean, do you think that strip clubs are important to society as a whole? I mean, how do you feel like it's, I know it might be also a lot, but, um, and how do you feel like it's going to change like what's your predictions after kind of this quarantine shenanigans well i i feel like i've already had this covid-19 disease probably in january of this year um i think a lot of us have already had it um and 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 in terms of anecdotal evidence that i would present would be that i had a horrible uh flu-like 
ailment in January. It was right after I came back from a hockey tournament in Orlando. I had been traveling a lot in December. I had been traveling a lot in November, December, and January in terms of airplanes and airports and so forth. Mm -hmm. And um, I came down with something, and my wife did as well. And it lasted about three weeks. It was horrible. A couple days were just absolutely brutal. Whatever. So I'm confident that I had it. Like, once we have available testing, I'm sure I'm going to test positive for antibodies. And I'm not the only one. Like, I know a lot of people that have had similar experiences, even so much, you know, where they've gone to the doctor, they've gotten tested for the flu, it's come back negative, and then they're told that, oh, it's just a virus that'll work its way through. But they were down for like three to four weeks. Um, so there's a, there's a small, you know, and I'm pulling these numbers out of my butt, right? But there's a small percentage of the population that isn't fear-driven or based. And they know that this thing has probably been here for longer than we've been told because, you know, there, there hasn't been available testing. We had a pretty delayed response to the, the entire um, epidemic then turned a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, they're not going to necessarily alter their lives too much after this. Then there's a broader sense, a broader part of the population that are going to think that... Um, that it, it, it is totally new and they, they have not had it yet are, are going to stay away from clubs, you know, because they're afraid. And that's going to be tough because I don't I don't think that the strip club industry in, in this area has been booming. <clears throat> I mean, it, it, it showed signs of booming. You know, there was a couple strip clubs that had opened and, and, and a few others that were renovated in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they were, they're all pretty much closing down. Um, and that was before this happened. Now it's, it's, it's definitely going to happen, right? So mm-hmm. there's a ton of demand, but there's just not a ton of places that are doing it right. You know, either they're too far off the beaten path in the middle of an industrial complex, like a, like literally like, you know, places where they're refining oil, you know. But it's a beautiful club, but it's in the middle of nowhere. And nobody wants to go there. Um, yeah. Or it's an establishment that just doesn't have the right recipe for being successful, right? Like not treating their dancers right, whatever. So that's that's unfortunate because I don't think things are going to be easier for club owners and and obviously for dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the dancers are going to have to innovate, you know, if they're truly passionate about the work and obviously about the reward. Europe shows that virtual online stripping and camming and and other types of work like that can be extremely profitable and successful. It's just about you know how innovative you can be. And, you know, your work ethic. As far as their importance, I think, I mean, strip clubs are extremely important. I mean, they were obviously, they're very, very important to my education, to my, I want to say, validation of not seeing women as sex objects and only seeing them as people that have a beautiful aesthetic, that are tremendously acrobatic, that are real people. But then, you know, there's your average Joe that wants to go and blow off steam and get a couple drinks a beautiful girl, you know, be counseled, right? I talk to a lot of girls that, you know, half of the time that they spend in a VIP lounge is talking to a guy, kind of helping them with a level of, of like, sex therapy, right? Mm-hmm. And um, once those, if, if those services are shrunken because of the, the outcome of this thing, you know, whether it's social distancing or whether it's clubs can't afford to keep their doors open, you know, I don't know what those people are going to do. I mean, I, I think they would probably 
seek out other sex workers, potentially, you know, spiral into depression or spiral into who knows what, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So I think it's absolutely a critical. If it wasn't such a critical aspect of a, of a, of a well-functioning society, then it would have it would have gone away by now. And it's one of the oldest professions, right, in civilization, because there is a demand and there is a market for people to, you know, supply that demand. Yeah. I think one of my issues, because, I mean, I feel like, yeah, like the virtual realm is maybe going to be something that if it's not already a part of how as a dancer you make your income, it might become part of that, or at least it's a consideration. And I definitely have my own apprehensions just in regards to like privacy. And I mean, I'm not out to my family yet. And it's of like a huge hesitation with like doing camming and like virtual online stuff, because it's just, you don't have control over your, where your image goes. And that's, I don't know, that's my stress about the the COVID thing and how it might change the landscape is I really am adverse to going virtual, but I am worried that that's going to end up just being the way that it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it definitely, I could see why that would be a problem if you're not out yet. And more importantly, you know, if you have, if you have career aspirations and that is going to tie a stigma to your image and, you know, you never know. And then obviously there's the creeps that'll just like redistribute content without mm-hmm. authorization or whatever. And and then you, like you said, you just have no control over that. Yeah. And I have had the argument made where people are like, oh, well, there's just so much of it. You know, you'll just get lost in the, in the flurry of kind of, you know, X-rated content or, you know, dancing videos, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's like, well, facial recognition and you know, all that stuff where it's, like, getting lost, maybe, but you're also looking at, you know, the internet just scanning and filing all of us, you know, all these images under, and just organizing, you know, everything that kind of gets put onto the internet. Yeah, yeah, I don't think, um, I think that's absolutely right. You you don't, uh, you don't address the concern or security issue with the answer that, well, it's going to be, you're going to be too obscure, so you don't have to worry about it. That's a false, uh, you know, that's a false response or a false claim. Yeah, I would agree. What do you feel like with, um, as the prospect of being a virtual customer, I mean, do you feel like you're going to be, like your experience, your positive experiences are going to be more difficult to come by? I don't, for me, I feel like the physical aspect of it is so important. Yeah, I, I, it, it's not going to be a, the same. It's not going to be of the same quality. Um, and 85% of a, of a strip club experience is, is, is the, the fact that you're there and, and literally in space and time with this person. And you're sharing a moment um, of humanity, of sexuality, of aesthetic, you know, there's so much chemistry that happens. And the other 15% of that experience, you know, is for some, some people, right? It's like fantasy and, 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 um, strange, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, role 
and you're you're flattening it into a 2D, you know, it's 2D. <laughs> you went from you went from something profound, something completely facsimile, right? Yeah. I think for existing customers and clientele and so forth, it's going to be a lot easier of a transition. For people coming in for the first time, where this is this is what they're used to, it's going to be kind of the same. I mean, I I, I know guys that are like. What they spend online with virtual stuff, I am. I look at them like they're crazy, mm-hmm. and 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 that's so funny because I have no problem spending ten times as much in a in a real scenario, right? Mm-hmm. But when you, but from my perspective and my my psychological biases, to do the same online is 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 almost like a travesty, <laughs> and that's my problem, right? Like that's the industry's problem with guys like me that. You know, I'm not going to, I have a problem spending virtual money. I have no problem spending real money in, in, a, in a real place with a real girl that I can like, you know, know that, you know, hey, you have, you have mass, gravity is tying you to the planet here, and you have an amazing personality, and I can see if you're having a good day or a bad day. When, I, when that suddenly gets stripped out, and it's just almost like 100% acting by the performer, mm-hmm. I... I can see that, and unfortunately, the way I'm programmed, like, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. And, um, and then, it, it, to me, it cheapens the experience. It's not about a person anymore. It's about these moving images, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it does suck. And, um, like, everything that I'm about in terms of why, why I go to strip clubs and why I enjoy them and all that is, is history. And, um, you know, I don't know, I mean, I can tell you right now that I'm, I'm not going to spend anywhere near as much money, um, and I haven't, right? Like, I've been saving so much money because I have not been going to strip clubs, but mm-hmm. that sucks, right? That sucks for, for the performers, and, um, and, I, and any money that is spent is trivial compared to what was being spent. So yeah. that's just a, a, this is a huge issue. It's a huge issue. You know, I don't have the answers as to what, where it's going to go. I just, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to go well. You know, I think this is going to be a very difficult year for dancers and um, sex workers in general. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think we're definitely all feeling it. Um, okay, well, on that note, uh, thank you very much for uh, coming on The Babes of Valhalla. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for uh, inviting me, and I wish you guys the best of luck. Look forward to seeing you again. Aw, thank you. Before we end this episode, I wanted to give some reflections to this interview. I recorded this interview in the middle of the COVID-19 shutdown, and I don't think that I would fully processed my own stress about the situation. Listening back to this interview, I could definitely hear it in my voice, especially at the end. And I think I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed. It's interesting to hear what I was thinking about when Em and I were discussing virtual opportunities in sex work. And since I still have been considering and reconsidering exploring virtual, it was just interesting to think about it again. Some of my COVID hustle has involved some virtual strip clubs, but is it just me or does it feel like it's much more work? More and more, I'm appreciating the physical aspects of sex work, being able to read how a person is feeling. Are they having fun? It's hard to know online, and I am missing the one-on-one interaction and navigating new group dynamics every shift. To the listeners out there, what have been your hesitations working virtual? Did you hesitate? What's been your experience? 
I'd also like to ask you how you think the strip club landscape will change after COVID-19. Send us an email or a DM. Tell us your feelings. COVID has been a wild ride, and I know that it's not over yet. But I wanted to remind you that we got this. We will survive and we will make it through. Whatever the changes that come our way, we will navigate and conquer them. I, like all of us, have experienced some moments of real terror in the uncertainty of this situation. But sex work isn't going anywhere. Sending you all rays of love and light. Until next time on The Babes of Valhalla. In the meantime, to soothe your aching loins, find us on Instagram at Babes of Valhalla. Have a story, a thought, or just want to say hi? Email us at babesofvalhalla at gmail.com or DM us on the gram. Episodes are released every Tuesday. Until next time, stay nasty. Babes of Valhalla is written and produced by the Babes of Valhalla otherwise known as your illustrious lieges, Darby and Charlie. Music provided by the musical genius, Gemini Genesis.